everyone, and welcome to Guardians of the Family. I am Amy Earle. And I'm Kimberly Lowry. And we are so excited to have you here with us today. Yes, this is our second podcast. And we're really um, glad to be here today and be talking about um, the family and proclamation to the world. And we really um, enjoyed all the comments that you guys gave us on our last podcast. Um, and you can, on iTunes, if you go and you listen to us on iTunes, there's a place where you can rate us. And, and if you do that, then other people will be able to find the podcast easier. So if you have a chance when you're listening to go and rate us on iTunes, that would be awesome. Yeah, and you, there's even a spot there to leave comments. So if you do that, you can review us for other people. That would be so great. But thank so you for thank listening, you. yes, and, and telling us what you think about it. The response has been great so far. So we're excited to, to get started again today. And today we're going to be discussing the family, a proclamation to the world. And one of the things that you may notice as you listen to a few of these is that we're building kind of a step-by-step. -step. We're laying the groundwork for um, the purpose of why guardians of the family, why we've been called to discuss this. And we want to give you a foundation of our beliefs and, um, and our, our core foundation. And so as we, excuse me, as we go through these podcasts, we're, they will each build upon the other. And we really felt like um, talking about this proclamation, we couldn't go any further without using this as our foundation and talking about this. Yeah, we'll probably be referring to the proclamation in every podcast we do after this because everything that we're going to talk about is going to be based upon this and the foundation of the, fa the family and how the family is organized and built and what our roles are. And that's what's covered in um, the article that we're discussing today. So we're going to put a link to it in our um, show notes. So if you haven't read it yet and you're not familiar with it, we encourage you to pause this podcast, go get download a copy. It's just one page and read through it. It'll just take you a few minutes and then you'll be able to understand what we're talking about and be able to follow along with us easier. So pause it if you haven't read it and go do that right now. Great. And so let's talk a little bit about what the proclamation is. Um, last week we talked about the importance of having a canon, a set of scriptures um, or a document that you relied on to find your moral truth. Where did you turn to or where do you turn to when you have questions, how do you find the truth? What do you compare what's happening around you to where your core beliefs are so that um, you can stay anchored and keep your belief system intact? Yeah, so we talked about how the scriptures are the yardstick that we measure all other truth by. And to us, the family of the proclamation to the world is modern day scripture. And so this is what we use to measure all truth about the family by. And so um, we believe that God is not a reactionary God, that he gives us what we need before we need it, and that we feel that this is the family of proclamation to the world is what the world needs um, in this day and age to tell us about the family and what um, God thinks about the family. And what's so amazing about this is today – 
the family and the roles of mothers and fathers. And um, this is, these are buzzwords and this is being discussed and picked apart and analyzed. It is what is happening today. But what's interesting about this is that this proclamation was released in September of 1995. This came 20 years before um, we started have like this became such a huge topic. And when it was released, I was a new mother. Um, I'd been married a year. No, I wasn't even a mother yet. I'm Jacob. I was pregnant with Jacob. And um, when it was released, I thought, well, okay. It seemed very simple and um, common sense. I didn't really give it that much of a thought uh, until, and so this goes back to the idea that this was a document that the Lord knew that we were going to need. We needed to have a foundation that we could build upon and, and read and refer back to that gives us, um, that we can apply all truth to. Right. And when it came out, I remember um, I was newly engaged, getting ready to get married. And, and I thought it was a beautiful document, but I didn't think there was anything like earth shattering in it. And um, it just reaffirmed what we already felt about the family. But um, nowadays, I think if you had a lot of, you know, the rising, gener the millennial generation, um, a lot of this would be new to them, I think. Or seem maybe even seem old fashioned, but um, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. So um, the the family, uh, the proclamation to the world, we feel like is the blueprint um, on how to have a happy family, what a happy family looks like, how to be successful as a family, and it talks about what our roles are. So we encourage you in your in your study that you're doing um, that we talked about last time on our first podcast, how important it is to be studying and reading. We encourage you to um, prayerfully study this and you will find inspiration for your own family and what you need to improve on or what um, your family can improve on to be stronger and be better. But um, compare all that you study to this blueprint. You will find these principles in the scriptures. You will find these principles in this doctrine in all that you read. Absolutely. And I, you know, when we go back, Kim and I, I don't know, six months ago, when we started to, to really delve into this course of study, um, initially we had a whole different um, list of books that we were going to read. And, and we had talked about what our children um, were reading, what we wanted to talk about. And we were actually, we discussed, I'm living on a trailer. So we, I was like, well, what books do I have on the trailer already that we can read and discuss? And both of us were inspired that we needed to talk about the family and specifically women's roles and mother's influence. And we read an article, um, Steal the Gold, that kind of inspired this. And so when we said, we need to start, you know, let's talk about women. Let's talk about strong women. Let's read books about strong women and, and discuss that. And we decided what we needed to do before we started the study, before we delved into that, was that we needed to go back to the basics 
facts and remind ourselves of what was really important and what the Lord wanted from us and what was his truth in regards to the family. And that's where this study truly started and came from. And this document, and I hope you've read it and I hope you feel, feel truth when you read it. But what is so amazing is that the more you read it, the more you study it, it truly is like scripture. It opens windows. At, at first glance, um, it's a beautiful document, and it, there's, it probably makes your heart happy to read it. But as you continue to read it, as you look at each sentence, as you, as you prayerfully think about how it can apply to you, it changes and um, really becomes personal, and you can apply it to your life. Yeah, that's great. I really like how you said that. Um, if we start at the beginning of the document um, with the title, it says the family, a proclamation to the world. And to me, that just, that just says it all. Like this is the blueprint of the family. This is God's design for the family. Um, this is God's plan for the family. And then it says it's to the world. It's not just to the members of our church. It's to the whole world. And it's to each family in the world. It's to each individual person in the world because each individual person in the world is part of a family. And whether you have any living members of your family here or not, you still are part of God's family. And so this is for each individual person in the world. And um, well, and, and President Hinckley, he gave this. So when he announced this, when it was read, um, for the first time, he read it to the Relief Society, which is the women's organization within our church. And it's the largest women's organization in the world. It has over 6 million members. And he read it to um, a meeting um, to the General Relief Society. And this is what he said about why, because there was a question, why did you read it there? Because we have other meetings where the entire membership of the church is present, but he chose to read it at the Relief Society meeting. And he says, you are the guardians of the hearth. You are the bearers of the children. You are they who nurture them and establish within them the habits of their lives. No other work reaches so close to divinity as does the nurturing of the sons and daughters of God. And I love that. Now, this, this is an, uh, a document that is going out to the whole world, and he chose to give it to the women first because we are the guardians of the hearth. We are the guardians of the family and the home. Yeah, I love that quote too. I love in the document where it talks about that, we, that the family is divinely designed by God. And I think that... Um, that this that the proclamation outlines um, where we were before, um, that God creates all things spiritually before He creates them physically, and so He created us spiritually first, and we lived with Him, and we called Him Father, and we still call Him Father. We were part of God's family, and 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 it outlines in the proclamation that we each have an eternal identity and destiny, and that all began. Um, before we were born when we lived with God. And now we're all here in families. And, and that's the reason why the earth was created, so that Adam and Eve could form a family, that we could come down here and form families. And then we know that after we leave here, we can be in our families forever. Um, 
God has given us our families here on earth and all the love and all the, uh, that we feel for our families is not just going to go away when we die. And God has provided a way for us to be with our families forever. And so um, all that is part of God's plan. His plan is a plan for families. It's not just a plan for individuals. That's the reason why um, he created the earth. He had a plan of happiness for us and for our families. And I just love how um, the proclamation talks about that. And that God is unchanging. That's the pattern that we see here is he is the same today, tomorrow, and always. And he started out, we had families. We were part of his family before we came to earth. And now we, he established families, the pattern of families to teach us. And, um, you know, I was listening to something I don't even remember what it is now, but they were talking about, oh, it was a commercial. It was like a car commercial or something. Anyways, it was the idea of it. And I was just watching the text, but it said something to the effect of, I, I don't never believed in soulmates because I was born alone. And so of course I would live alone. And that I saw that and my heart almost hurt for the person who, who wrote that and those who connected to the idea of being born alone because we weren't born alone. Now, maybe you came out of the womb alone unless you were with a (laughs) twin or something, but like we came to families, our loving heavenly father didn't bring us into the world alone. He gave us families. We have mothers and fathers and perhaps siblings and um, this, he has a pattern of how he, um, has developed this and we have eternal families with him. We have families here on earth. And then after we die, we will continue to have our families. And even bigger than that, you can even go broader than just your own individual families. Um, you have your extended family and you have, you, you create families, all of these relationships that we have and that we are all brothers and sisters because we all have the same father in heaven. And that is truly a divine design. That is truly an eternal perspective that we cannot change simply because um, we've decided that times are different now. Right. And the reason that we want to talk about this today is because we want mothers and we want women out there to know that um, the that being a wife and being a mother, like those are righteous desires. These are things that are, those desires are given to us from God. And that, um, that as we discuss these principles and as we discuss these doctrines, that, that we can strengthen and uplift and defend each other and help each other understand our roles more and understand what God expects, us, expect, expects of us. And that we really, really want to help um, build stronger families because we know that as the family is stronger, our communities are stronger, our our nations are stronger, and it all starts with the family. The opposition wants us to believe that we are old-fashioned and out of date, that we are intolerant and judgmental. And in fact, there are those out there who are being attacked for speaking about the importance of family. I mean, simply stating that we believe or not even believe that we know that a family unit, this, this is divinely appointed and that God created us like this. 
we are just being attacked. We can't even say this. And this goes back to the reason of why we want to talk about this and why we want to spread this message of, um, of the importance of, of mothers and families and fathers and so that we can not feel alone when the adversary is telling us that we are alone and that there is something wrong with us for believing these things. Right. And before we get into the proclamation a little bit more, we want to just say that um, we know that no family is perfect and that nobody has the ideal circumstances, that we all have things in our families that we struggle with. And every family has their own um, problems, but we know that as we live these principles in the proclamation, that our families will be happier and that we can find direction and guidance for our families through living these principles and that we can find happiness to the extent that we live these principles. And the more we try to apply them in our families and in our own lives, um, the greater joy and happiness and success that we can find in our families. Absolutely. And the, um, the proclamation, like we talked about, is a blueprint. And it gives us these principles. And it gives us, um, a, in fact, there's even a... A little paragraph this is in paragraph seven we numbered our paragraphs it can be helpful when you're discussing it um, and this is kind of in the center of paragraph seven and it says happiness in family life is most likely to be achieved when founded upon the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ successful marriages and families are established and maintained on principles of so it says right there so it gives us we want to we want to um, we want to have our foundation be in Jesus Christ. And then it's going to give us a list of principles that if we establish and maintain these principles in our home, we will have successful marriages and families. And those principles are faith, prayer, repentance, forgiveness, respect, love, compassion, work, and wholesome recreational activities. And the best part of that is the wholesome recreational activities. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I love that. That's always like it. Yes. And so those are, those are principles. That is, if you establish your home with principles of faith and love and prayer and compassion, and you throw in some good old fashioned fun, you are going to have, you have the blueprint and you have the recipe for a successful family. Right. And this is the, the difference between rules versus principles. Now, we could sit down and say, this is what your wholesome recreational activity should look like. You need to spend an hour at the beach every week. You need to ride four-wheelers. Then you need to go swimming. But this is, this is not the rules. This is a principle that can be applied over all different situations and is individual to each family. So what looks like recreational activity to Amy's family might not be the same as what our family does for recreational activities and what we enjoy and what brings us closer together. And same with like it says prayer. So how your family prays together might look different than how my family prays together. We might pray together in morning and at night and somebody else's family might pray over um, their dinner every day or have individual prayers. Um, so, but the important thing is that we apply these principles in our family we have, we have prayer together. Um, <clears throat> we have compassion for each other. We forgive each other. 
and we have respect for each other and we do the wholesome recreational activities. That's the important thing is we are the expert in our own home. And so we know, and through inspiration, Heavenly Father can tell us what our families need and how to apply these principles in our family. And Exactly, um, through the Spirit, like yeah. as you pray and as you ask, and how can I strengthen my family? Yes. <clears throat> we, will, we will find that. And this, this re reminds me of that, um, the beginning of Tolstoy's book, Anna Karenina, when it says, happy families are all alike. Every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. Right. And if you think about families, like take just a minute and think about families that you respect and you love and that you would like to emulate. And my guess is that those families have some commonalities, that they have similarities. And probably these principles are alive and well within their home, that they're using these principles of repentance, forgiveness, respect. And that's why, that's the idea that happy families are all alike. That's because they're building upon principles. Right. And that's something that I think we'd like to explore in this podcast as we read and, and study other things. We will be looking for these principles at play in what we're reading, what we talk about. Are they living the principles that the proclamation talks about how are they not how does that affect them and their families and so that's why it's so important for us to be talking about these things because like the quote said all fa happy families are alike um, because of the things that they're doing and principle-based learning this is one thing that I re I have really learned as I have studied um, Thomas Jefferson education um, which is also referred to as leadership education and it's one of the things that we strive to do with our children when we're teaching is the importance of we could give a list of rules and as Kim was stating earlier we could say do this 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 and this and they would follow it pretty well I mean I could give them a list every morning and tell them exactly what they need to do and they could follow that list exactly and then um, but my goal as a parent is to teach my children how to think I want them to be able to see what needs to be done. I want them to look around and say, okay, um, one of the things that we like is a clean home. So how can I contribute and help clean our home? As opposed to waiting for mom to say, you need to go clean the microwave. There's that difference of principles versus rules. And I think our Heavenly Father does the same thing to us. Mm -hmm. He could tell us every single thing we need to do. But how do we grow? How do we learn to think for ourselves? How do we become who he wants us to become and who we were meant to become if all he does is give us specific rules that we have to follow? So we have the commandments. Look at the commandments. Keep the Sabbath day holy. That's a principle. Keep right. the Sabbath day holy. It's it, one of the ten that he chose right alongside um, don't murder, like, so he's given us that. Now, how do we apply that in our life? We have guidelines. We have a principle. And then we have to take that and figure out how that works in our own family. And so as we study, that's one of the things that, that we, Kim and I do a lot as we're reading books like The Hiding Place. And we look for the principles and we say, okay, so we are in a concentration camp. 
right? We aren't in this situation, but we can take things from this book and apply it to our lives. We can look for the blessing of the fleas. When we're going through trial yes. after trial, we can say, all right, I'm going to thank God for the fleas, right? right. Anyway, so that the idea of principles you'll get me i'll get all riled up about principles every time because i <laughs> well, love we'll be talking idea. about principles <laughs> in every podcast probably yeah absolutely so let's dive into the proclamation a little more now um, okay well i guess we're already talking about um paragraph seven but i want to go back to paragraph two um where it says gender is an essential characteristic of individual premortal mortal and eternal identity and purpose and I like this idea that um, that God, we talked about earlier, that God created us spiritually first. And so from this document that we know that he created us male and female um, in his image. And so we were created with a gender before we were born. And that's part of God's identity and plan for us. And then we were born here, um, the same gender that we had when we were created spiritually. It wasn't an accident what gender we were born as. And then our gender is also part of us when we die. That's also going to be um, part of God's plan for us, that we are not the gender that we are by accident, that it is God's design and plan for us, which gender we were born with. And because um, he created us the way we are in his image, then he's also given us um, specific roles and characteristics and attributes um, specific to our gender. And in paragraph seven, this goes right along with that. And it actually starts by divine design. And I love that divine design. This is God's design. Um, and he talks about fathers and mothers. And he says, by divine design, fathers are to preside over their families in love and righteousness and are responsible to provide the necessities of life and protection for their family. So, when we're discussing this within our home and our family, we talk about the three P's, to preside, provide, and protect. And this is what the divine nature of men and fathers within a home. And that's what Heavenly Father has given them and written on their heart as um, part of, well, as how they participate within the family. Yeah. So we'll be talking about men's roles as presiding, providing, and protecting throughout our podcasts, I'm sure, in everything that we study. Um, and then I like it says that mothers, let's see if I can find it. Mothers are prim primarily responsible for the nurture of their children. And I used to think um, before we started studying that nurturing was like cuddling. And I thought, I'm not a very good nurturer because I'm not a very good cuddly mom. Um, but Nurturing has taken on a whole new expanded meaning for me as I've been studying and studying in, um, what nurturing means. And as I've studied about it, I've come to realize that nurturing means to teach and to train and to nourish and to educate our children um, and to help them grow. And, and I really like this quote by Julie B. Beck. And she says, to nurture means to cultivate, care for, and to make grow. Therefore, mothers should create a climate for spiritual temporal, and temporal growth in their homes. Another word for nurturing is homemaking. Homemaking includes cooking, washing clothes and dishes, and keeping an orderly home. Home is where women have the most power and influence. 
So I think that um, nurturing means that we are creating an environment where um, those around us could grow spiritually and physically and are physically um, um, protected and, and I wanted to say nurture, but I'm explaining <laughs> what nurturing is. Well, where we feel was, safe and go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, this was really, when we studied this chapter, this is in a, a book called Daughters in My Kingdom. And when we studied this chapter, it was kind of refreshing for me because, again, um, we have this sentence. So we talk about fathers and we say, um, fathers, they preside, they provide, they protect. And then we have this sentence that, that mothers are responsible for their nurture of their children. I have a sister who is like so loving with her children. Her children are always hugging her and she's always hugging them and I love you. And she, to me, is the idea of nurturing. And I don't, I am not that kind. I am not a huggy, lovey, like I, I don't have that. So there, well, I mean, I love my children and I hug them, but I just mean like that is not my, my go-to. And so when, when I think about, okay, so my responsibility is to nurture, what does that mean? And mm -hmm. am I, if I'm not that kind of a mom, like, do I need to be, I don't know, this, this idea. So reading this from, um, from in, within this chapter and really studying this idea of nurturing about training, teaching, educating, promoting growth to nourish and feed. That means so much more than hugging my children. Now, yes, right. I still need to hug my children and love my children, but to nurture them, to, to grow up, to train, to, that is an idea I can get behind and fully um, and want to fully embrace. Yeah. And another person that I really look up to and love um, their talks is Sherry Dew. And she hasn't been married and doesn't have children, but she gave a really good talk called something, aren't we all mothers or something like that? Something similar to that. But she talks about how even if you don't have your own children, you are still a mother because of these qualities that you have and the desire that you have to nurture. And there's so many people out there in the world who need the love and uh, that you can give and need nurturing and need to feel safe and have somebody care for them. It doesn't have to be your own children. And I think that, um, that ants have a great place in, in children's lives that, that maybe somebody, maybe your child isn't going to listen to their mother. Maybe, maybe they're, you know, don't have a good relationship with their mother, but there's so many things that a good aunt can say that a mother can't say to a child. And so, that's the reason Heavenly Father puts us in families so that we can all um, strengthen each other and lift each other and help where um, somebody is struggling. Well, so, and historically, the idea of a family being just a mother and a father and their children, I mean, that's so, that doesn't even fit. Historically, it has always mm -hmm. been grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins, yeah. and they help you raise your your family. Yes. And I wanted to read this quote by um, Elder M. Russell Ballard. And he says, this goes to what you were talking about with um, Sister, Sister Dew. And he says, sisters, we, your brethren, cannot do what you were divinely designated to do from before the foundation of the world. We may try, but we cannot ever hope to replicate your unique gifts. There is nothing in this world as personal, as nurturing, or as life-changing 
as the influence of a righteous woman. All women have within their divine nature both the inherent talent and the stewardship to mother. Yeah, we all that. have that. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you've actually carrying a child on your hip or not. We have this divine nature from a heavenly father. Yeah. And going back to the word principles, like how we nurture is going to look different in each home because each home's different and each family has different needs. And, um, but the feeling I think is the same. We're trying to create a home and a family where everybody feels loved and accepted and where people like to be and people feel cared for and loved. And so how you do that might look a little different than how I do that. But, but still, as we apply the principle that, um, that our job is to nurture, then I think we find fulfillment in that too. I know that when my children are getting along and they're happy and my house is clean and, um, and I feel like I'm doing my job as a mother and a wife, well, I feel I get satisfaction from that. And I feel um, it makes me happy to know that my children are well cared for and that they're happy. And I want to read, so, and right after that sentence, the next sentence, I want to include these next two sentences. In these sacred responsibilities, fathers and mothers are obligated to help one another as equal partners. So there's not a, there's not like this division and this is your responsibility and this is my responsibility. Um, we, especially like in our home, Jake and I are definitely equal partners. We are, um, we work together in, in all facets of our marriage and our family. But then this one, um, disability, death, or other circumstances may necessitate individual adaptation. And Heavenly Father knows all of his children, and he knows all of our struggles, and he knows what we are going through. And um, I have a sister whose who's life, because of disability, has totally taken a turn from where she thought it would be and even how she would um, perhaps want it to be. And Heavenly Father knows her. And so as, if, if things are different in your family, if things don't look quite like this, I want you to know that Heavenly Father knows you. You are his daughter. You are his son and he loves you. And as you look for principles and as you turn to him and ask how you can fulfill in your family how he would want it to look, he will he will teach you. He will share it with you through the Holy Ghost and you will be able to take that mantle upon you and understand your role within your family. Yeah, I love that you said that. Um, yeah, Heavenly Father knows our needs and he knows what, um, what we need and he knows how to help us to be able to, to build and lift our families. And as we seek him in prayer, he will teach us those things that we need to do. And he will also place people in our lives and in our children's lives that they need. And um, yeah, thanks for saying that. Um, I think that takes us to the next paragraph, paragraph eight. And um, let's see. So it says, um, we warn the individuals who violate covenants of chastity, who abuse spouse or offspring, or who fail to fulfill family responsibilities will one day stand accountable before God. 
Further, we warn that dis the disintegration of the family will bring upon individuals, communities, and nations the calamities foretold by ancient and modern prophets. And I think that this goes to um, natural law or God's law versus man-made law. And there are, God, there are laws that are higher than man's laws, and we call those um, God's laws or natural law. And there are natural laws in mathematics, in science, and also political and moral laws. And we know that man-made laws are only good to the extent that they are in harmony with God's laws or natural laws. And so um, there are consequences when we don't follow God's laws and when we don't follow the moral laws. It, um, just as there are consequences when we don't follow mathematical laws or scientific laws. So um, there was a legislature, I think in Ohio or somewhere that tried to turn- Indiana. Okay, Indiana, that tried to turn pi into an even number of three <laughs> by legislating from now on pi is going to be the even number. But we know that that doesn't work because anything that tries to be built or is done with circles will not have the same output. <laughs> the, it's not going to have the same, um, it's not going to be built correctly if we just try to make it an even number, no matter how, ma how much we may want it to be an even number. Or how much we, we don't, don't understand right. pi and we don't know it and how do we apply it. We can't right. change it. That's just what it is. Pi is what pi is. Right. And... And, and that goes to the idea of, of God's laws. We can't, we can't just decide that we want to change it because it's inconvenient or uncomfortable right. or socially, um, inc politically incorrect. Right. There are going to be consequences when we don't follow God's laws. Whether we want those consequences or not, they're going to be there. And I think that we can see that as we, talk, as we see studies come out over and over again about um, about fathers being absent from the home and, you know, these, the, the deadbeat dad um, phrase that it affects children in our homes as much as we may not want it to. Um, the studies show that it does. So there are all, all kinds of um, consequences, good, good consequences for following God's laws and for following his commandments and bad consequences when we don't. And so, um, I think that that's what this paragraph is um, pointing out. And so we are here, we are here to strengthen and to defend families. We just want to, I want to share my testimony with you guys that I know that what we are talking about is important. And I hope that you will take some time um, today when you're listening to this, just take the 15 minutes that it'll take to read this document and to offer a prayer and ask Heavenly Father um, how you can more fully apply these principles into your life. And I know that he will answer you. Yeah, and as we look for these principles and everything else that we're studying, we will see them and we will see how that we can apply them more fully into our families. And we will see the ways that happy families are alike and um, we can strengthen our own families and those families that are around us because uh, we are all part of um, not only our family but um, our immediate family but a larger family as well heavenly father's family and as we strengthen our family our communities will be strengthened our nations will be strengthened and um, 
I've had so much fun talking about this today. I have too. This was a really good discussion. Yeah. We'd love to hear what you guys think. And um, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, there's one thing that we wanted to talk about really quick about an idea that we have. Do you want to talk about that now? Yes. So I have an extra copy of my favorite book, The Hiding Place. So what I would like to do is offer it to a listener out there, the first person that um, direct messages me on Instagram or on Facebook. And then I will send you The Hiding Place and you have um, a two or three week time to read The Hiding Place and then get back with us and tell us your favorite part or your favorite quote or something that stood out, from, out to you. And then you pass the book on to somebody else and then they pass it on to somebody else. And so we just want to keep it going and and then Amy's going to share Jane Eyre, right? And so, yes, yep, I have a copy of that. Yeah, so um, the first person who messages me about The Hiding Place and the first person who messages Amy about Jane Eyre, then we'll have the, like, the complete instructions inside the book of what to do um, when you get the book. But that's a way for us to just spread our favorite books out into the world and get a conversation going, and we thought it would be fun to hear what other people like about those books. So... Absolutely. So get with us, and the first person who does will get a book in the mail. Awesome. All right. Well, let us know what you thought. If you listen to us, give us a shout-out. Use our hashtag, Guardians of the Family. And um, we look forward to um, talking to you next time.